three verses. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. It's kind of a strange phrase, but sometimes we talk about a certain apparel being becoming to a person. Well, for the Christian, for the upright person, the righteous person, the thing that's becoming to them is praise. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. And then the last Psalm 150. Praise to the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray here once again before we, uh, we look into the scriptures here. Uh, Andy, would you pray? Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we just simply ask, Father, that you would open up our hearts and minds to your scripture today. Lord, that you would um, uh, strengthen our hearts and help us to praise you as you want to, Lord. Would you clear the air and uh, would you want to receive Well, last time we did begin, at least in a very uh, superficial way, to begin to uh, examine this area of music, what the Scripture has to say about music. My purpose in doing that is to encourage a greater use of the various musical gifts and talents that uh, God has blessed us with here in this group. And uh, I don't want people to think, though, that if you don't feel like you're particularly blessed musically, that this isn't for you, because as the, the psalm says here in 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So that's, that pretty much covers us all. Last time we zeroed in on the um, origin of music. Why does music exist in the first place? And, of course, the answer has to do with the fact that uh, we're musical because God is musical. Um, we're made in God's image, and part of that image has to do with this area of music. We are endowed by the master musician with the ability to create and appreciate music. Now, um, 
it is true that since the fall that gift has been misused. In fact, I'd say probably it's misused more than it's used in accordance with the way God would have it used. But nevertheless, it is a gift from God and it is a character characteristic of God. Um, So anyway, that's... We, we began to look at that last time. And we want to look this evening at scriptural ways music is used. In other words, ways that, are, that we can use music that are in accord with God's character and God's will for this gift that he's given us. But before we look at that, let me just remind you of a few of the things we... We mentioned last week, because there's some here that weren't here last week. Uh, First of all, we said that music exists outside the realm of the human race. Even if there weren't any human beings, there'd still be music. Um, And we said that one of the ways that we see that is even on the subhuman level. Uh, Birds sing. the babbling brook, the breeze in the trees, the wind in the mountains, the whippoorwill in the field are all in one way or another praising God. And we see that throughout the scriptures. We looked at a number of scriptures last time that, that uh, talk about that type of, of music. Uh, we, you know, part of what we're uh, trying to do is expand our horizons of what music really is. And, and some of that has to do with just realizing that there's more music going on around us than what we realize sometimes. Uh, Even, uh, we we talked about the music of the spheres last time. That's a little phrase that came by way of the Pythagoreans who were Greek philosophers and mathematicians. And they they wrote about uh, the music of the spheres. And what they were talking about is the... uh, they didn't realize what they were saying, but it's really a testimony of how God has orchestrated the universe. Now, they were uh, not uh, Christians or Jewish. They were, they were simply uh, uh, Greek philosophers, and yet they noticed something about the universe. Um, actually... Even though they weren't working from a Judeo-Christian uh, worldview, they understood the, mecha- uh, the mathematical basis of musical harmony. They saw a celestial harmony all around them. And I think they would have agreed with a man by the name of Thomas Carlyle, who wrote centuries later, but he said this, and this, is, this I'm sure is uh, some of what they were saying. See deep enough, and you see musically. The heart of nature being everywhere music, if you can only reach it. So, uh, it's a testimony, I say say again, of the fact that this universe is orchestrated by God and for the glory of God. So that's on the the subhuman level. the planets, the birds, the, the, the trees, the, the wind, all those things can uh, be viewed, at, viewed as praising God even in a uh, musical way. But 
more so on the, what you might call the superhuman level beyond us, which has to do with the angels. They have been given musical gifts and abilities uh, probably far superior to ours, at least at the present time. Uh, we, we looked at verses on this last time, the trumpets and the harps and the singing of angels. So um, that would be uh, on the, uh, what you might call the super above human level. But the greatest, of course, again, is ultimately God, the great songwriter and master musician. We looked last time at the fact that both are, are actually the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in music. And our God is a singing God. Music is part of his very nature. So these are, this is just a little bit of a review. Um, I quoted this man, uh, Grantley Morris, who said the whole, he said, music is the whole of creation following in its father's footsteps. Uh, in other words, there's music all around on our level, subhuman level, superhuman level. It's, it's the whole of creation following in the father's footsteps. And again, of course, we have to recognize that since the fall, uh, especially in terms of human music, a lot of it is not pleasing to God. But nevertheless, it is a gift from God. So what I want to do then is look at some of the accounts given to us in the scriptures for the right use of music. That's what we're doing tonight, looking into the scriptures for accounts that tell us of the right use of music. Uh, and again, I would say, just to give credit here, that uh, a number of these thoughts are from this, this writer, Grantley Morris. So, scriptural ways to use music. And again, I would say, hopefully, this will expand our musical horizons a bit. <clears throat> um, so I think maybe we have a too limited a view of how music can be used. Uh, in terms of what's presented to us in the scripture. Now, the first way is the most important, and it's usually the one that we think of when we think of the scriptural use of music, and that has to do with worship directed to God. I mean, this would be the thing, as far as a Christian's concerned, this would, should be the first thing that comes to our mind. Worship directed to God. Uh, Psalm... 104. Some of these I'll have you look up. Some of them I'll just I'll just uh, read the verse to you. Psalm 104:33. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. So singing to the Lord is is it's a form, it's worship. It's um, he says as long as I have any breath in me, this is what I'm going to do. Worship God. And uh, he specifically says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. Let's look this one up. Uh, Psalm 46, no, four, 47, 6. Psalm 47 and verse 6. The psalmist really emphasizes his point in this verse. Psalm 47, verse 6. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a skillful psalm. So what's he want you to do? 
That's not hard to figure out, is it? Sing praises. Uh, worship God with a skillful song, he says. Sing praises with a skillful song. Um, again, we, we recognize that music's ultimate function, like that of the reason for all of creation, is to glorify the sovereign creator. And that's what he says here. Um, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. Um, when we think about Psalm 100 and the way we normally conduct our meetings, why don't we turn to that real quick? Um, we oftentimes, although we didn't tonight, it's not unusual for us to have musical worship as a beginning of our uh, time together. Um, and I think that is consistent with Psalm 100, where he says, where the psalmist says, Come before his presence with singing, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Um, now, I think we need to be careful here, and it's easy to fall into this trap. And that is that the singing is a preliminary. It's like this is what this is what we do first. We get that out of the way, and then we can do other things. It, it's first because it's so important. It's not first because it's just preliminary, something you can take or leave. It's vitally important, and that's what he's saying here in. Um, Psalm 100, 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So, um, that's the first point. Worship directed toward God is one of the primary ways of using music. Maybe the great way, but there are a number of others. Next, I would like to have you consider the fact that it is used to express a prayer. Music is used to express prayer. Um, Psalm 42.8, In the night his song shall be with me, my prayer unto the God of my life. So he says, His song will be with me, and it will be my prayer to the God of my life. Psalm 42.8, so there is this use of music as a means of prayer. Um, actually, if you go through the hymnal, you, you see that a lot of our hymns are prayers. <coughs> They're prayers put to music. And, of course, that's what a lot of the Psalms are, too. The book of Psalms is not only a scriptural hymn book, it's a prayer book. And it's amazing how many different kinds of prayer, examples of prayer, there are in the Psalms. Uh, actually, if you go through the Bible and start just listing the prayers, you'll find that almost half of the prayers are actually set to music. That's because so many that, that's because there's so many prayers in the Psalms. There's prayers of supplication. I could I could give you the references on all these, but I guess I won't. Prayers of supplication. In the Psalms. So it's a song, you see. It's a song that's a prayer. It was a, uh, a prayer of supplication. 
There's prayers of confession that were put to music. There's prayers of intercession. There's prayers of communion. Prayers requesting healing in the Psalms. There's prayers uh, asking forgiveness in the Psalms. So here's a song directed toward God asking forgiveness or asking for guidance or prosperity or vindication or deliverance or protection. So, and there's, there's a lot more. But I, what I'm saying is there's all different kinds of prayers and they were put to music and sang to God. So, uh, the second thing then is that um, prayers are a form, or um, uh, many of the prayers were set to music, so that would be another use of music uh, in scriptural terms. And lest you think, let me, uh, I think we should look one up here. Uh, Lest you think this is only in the Psalms, let's turn to Habakkuk. of Habakkuk towards the end of the Old Testament. Uh, Chapter 3. We won't be able to read all of this here, the chapter, but let me point out that it starts out saying what's recorded in chapter 3 is a prayer of Habakkuk. A prayer of Habakkuk. All right, so if you read read down all through this, you'll see that you have a prayer here. And then you come to verse 19. It says, The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hind's feet, and makes me walk in the high places. And you might be tempted to stop reading right there, but don't do that because there's a little more scripture here. And it says, right after that, it says, For the choir director on my stringed instruments. You see what that's saying? It's a prayer of Habakkuk, but it was, it was to be sung. It was for the choir director on my stringed instruments. It was be, to be played with music. Um, so, there are other examples also, but the point is, is that Often we have a scriptural use of music in expressing prayer. Number three, then. Another scriptural use of music is to declare God's greatness to other human beings. To declare God's greatness to other human beings. Um, For instance... Psalm 78 says, Give ear, O my people. So here's a psalm, and it's directed towards God's people. Give ear, O my people. Uh, uh, let's see, Psalm, uh, psalm 46, verse 8, come, before, come behold the works of the Lord. So it's directed towards people, and it's inviting them to come behold the works of the Lord. In other words, it's talking about the greatness, great works of God. Um, 
Psalm 108, verse 3, I will sing unto you among the na- I will sing unto you among the nations. And probably uh, the clearest one, maybe, is in the New Testament. We're talking about declaring God's greatness to fellow human beings. In Ephesians 5:19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. So speaking to one another, you see in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So declaring God's greatness to fellow human beings can be done through music. Uh, Now one that's quite similar to that, this would be number four, Uh, music is used scripturally as an aid to the worship of others. In other words, to help others worship God, music is used that way. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. It's a, it's a desire that the psalmist had that others would magnify God and worship God. And he does it in song, in song. He invites them, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So an aid to the worship that others might worship God. Um, let's turn to Second Chronicles, chapter twenty-nine, and verse twenty-seven. Second Chronicles. 29 and verse 27. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offerings on the altar. Now this was at the uh, rededication of the temple, the restoration of temple worship that took uh, place under Hezekiah. So they're going to offer this burnt offering. When the burnt offering began... The song of the Lord also began with the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. While the whole assembly worshipped, the singers also sang and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. Now at the completion of the burnt offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed down and worshipped. So you have this worshiping going on and and in Hezekiah had it set up so that the trumpets would sound the singers would sing um, there would be this this musical accompaniment that would help in their time of worship um, verse 30 moreover king Hezekiah and the officials ordered the levites to sing praises to the lord with the words of david and asaph the seer so they sang praises with joy and bowed down and worshipped. So it is an aid. Music is an aid to help people worship God. Uh, other people worship God. Number five. It is an important aspect of spiritual warfare. There is in the scriptures a strong link between music and warfare. Now, even the world has recognized that uh, in terms of uh, most of your military 
uh, oh, what do I want to say, groups, military groups throughout, throughout world history have uh, had music associated with them, your military bands. Well, God had that also. For instance, you have a number of, of places in the scriptures where trumpets are blown uh, in relationship to warfare. Uh, uh, you have it with Joshua in Joshua chapter 6. You have Gideon there in Judges chapter 7. And uh, one verse that I thought we could look up would be in First Chronicles chapter 25. First Chronicles chapter 25. Now remember, we're talking about music related to spiritual warfare here. This is an interesting verse. I don't know exactly what to make of it, but I know it fits in in this area that we're talking about. First Chronicles chapter uh, 25 and verse 1. It says here that, uh, Moreover, David and the commanders of the army... Now, so you got David and these military commanders set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph and Heman and Jedutha who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, cymbals, and the number of those who performed their service. Well, it talks about their names here. Uh, But the point is, is that it was David and the military commanders that set these people apart for this musical service. I think that's significant. Um, These military commanders seem to have a particular interest in the appointment of musicians. Uh, It says in verse uh, 7 there, and their number who were trained in singing to the Lord with their relatives, all who were skillful, was 288. So they had 288 of these musicians that that were part of, I, I would say they were set up by the army commanders. Um, so we know there's some relationship between music and warfare here. Um, let's, let's look at one more. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles, chapter 20 and verse 21. <clears throat> this is a situation here where God's people were in a bad situation. Armies were coming against them. And uh, so Jehoshaphat prays and asks God for help. But he does something else here that I think is interesting. Second Chronicles Chapter 20 and verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army. See, it was before the army. And said, here's what he told them, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising the Lord, 
uh, when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so they were routed. Uh, Isn't that interesting? It was as they sang, the enemy was routed. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the enemies there. So, again, uh, music can be an important aspect in spiritual warfare. I think as you read through various books in church history, you'll find examples of people who will testify that uh, the, as they were praising God and, and worshiping God and singing, often there was deliverance for them in difficult situations. It's not that the song does anything or the music does anything, but it's trust in God and the, and the power of Christ's name as we lift up our hearts to him. Um, one person kind of explained it this way. He said that God inhabits the praises of his people and where there is true worship, God is present. And if God's present, you can be sure the devil's going to flee. It's like darkness and light can't mix, can't dwell together. So where there's true worship, there can be deliverances uh, for God's people. So that was... Number five, uh, music related to spiritual warfare. Number six, music can be to edify yourself. To edify yourself. Now, by that I mean often the psalmist sang to himself. He wasn't singing in a group and uh, trying to you know, worship God corporately. It was just the psalmist himself. And, um, well, let's see. Let's look at a couple examples of that. Psalm 42.5. Probably know these verses. But you've got to remember, this is, these are the psalms. This, is, this was done musically uh, when we read these psalms. 42, Psalm 42. Five, why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become distressed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet, for I shall again praise Him, for His help, for the help of His presence. That was sung. That was a uh, a song, part of a song anyway, that was sung. Um, and you see the same thing uh, in verse eleven. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you come distressed within me? Hope in God. You see the same thing in the next psalm, Psalm 43, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, I, for I shall again praise him. So, a, we're not talking about some kind of escapism here, but we are talking about uh, being edified as you lift your praises up to God um, even your, this is a, it's a, he's speaking to himself here. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Uh, let's try 103, verses 1 through 5. Here's David. 
he's just he's just singing. He got got, a, got out his harp or whatever whatever he was using at the time. And he says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Well, it goes on like that. But the point is, he's, he's edifying himself by, uh, by lifting up his praises to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, 146, verses 1 and 2. Actually, there's so many psalms like this. But uh, Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. So again, it's a form of, of uh, lifting up our souls to God personally. Um, and it, it can bring edification to yourself. Number seven, it can also edify others. Um, again, you have verses like, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's a call, you see, to worship God. And... Um, Maybe a, a clear example of what we're talking about here in terms of edifying others is in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14.26. Whenever you come together, each one of you has a song or a teaching or a tongue or a revelation or an interpretation. Let all be done for edification. So one of those things that can be done for edification, that is for edifying one another, is the first thing he mentioned. Each one of you has a song, so it can edify others. It can also teach others. This would be number eight. Music in the scriptures was used as a teaching tool. Uh, the psalmist says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. That's in Psalm 78.1. So he's saying, I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to do it by way of a song. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. And Psalm 34, 11, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And that was done in a psalm, you see. Uh, here's one. Uh, let's turn to this. Just so we'll turn to one here. Psalm 49. Uh Hear this, O peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth will speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will express my riddle on the harp. So he's gonna, he says, I'm going to teach you some things. I'm going to do it in a psalm, you see, in a song. Uh, I will express my riddle on the harp. Maybe... The best example is Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm uh, in the scriptures. And it's an, it's an amazing psalm because it was obviously written as a teaching tool. It was, it was written in such a way that you could remember the flow of the psalm. 
Why do I say that? Well, it's because Psalm 119, the whole psalm is an acrostic, which means in this, in the, in this case, in, in the case of a, Psalm 119, there were 22 stanzas uh, of eight verses each, and they were in the order of the Hebrew alphabet. So they were in the perfect order of the Hebrew alphabet, but the, the more amazing thing is that each of the eight verses in those stanzas, each of the eight verses within a stanza began with the same letter. And so that was in, in, in the flow, it was in the flow of the Hebrew alphabet, and then uh, each stanza was like that. And then each of the, the eight uh, verses in that stanza began with that letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it was obviously done as a teaching tool, and it was to be sung. So again, music can be used as a teaching tool. In fact, uh, if you think about it, not very many people remember any particular thing that John Wesley preached about. You just, we just don't know those things. But we do know what his brother sang about, Charles, because we still sing his hymns. In other words, there's the, the teaching that came by way of those hymns has stayed with the church for hundreds of years. So the psalmist and the psalms and music is used as a teaching tool. And then lastly, and there's again, there would be many more, and we may look at some more in the future, but uh, music in the scripture, has an evangelistic uh, aspect to it. Sometimes it's asserted that there's no biblical precedent for using music in evangelism. But that's just not true. Even in the Old Testament, not only is God worshipped with song, but the ungodly are confronted with their ungodliness in Music. This is, a, this is an amazing one to me. Uh, some of the psalms are addressed not just to Israel or not just to God, but to all the inhabitants of the world. For instance, Psalm 49, we just read, Hear this, all peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world. It's a song direct, directed out to everybody in the world. Uh, actually, Paul himself quotes the Psalms a number of times. Um, for instance, in Romans 15:9, this is what he says: "Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises to your name." In other words, he quotes that Psalm to say that God's word was to go out amongst the heathens, and uh, maybe a clearer example of what we're talking about here. And again, when, when we talk about uh, the psalms that would be directed towards the unbeliever, uh, these, are not, these are not comforting songs. That's not the kind of song that was being sung. Uh, they're pretty direct and pretty forceful. Let me give you a couple examples here. Uh, let's turn to 
Psalm 94. And I guess we'll begin with verse 8. Psalm 94. Pay heed, you senseless, among the people. And when will you understand, stupid ones? Now, we, we just don't sing many songs like this today. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, he who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. So, pretty uh, straightforward a rebuke there. Um, Psalm 52, verse 1. Actually, we read, uh, well, let's just read the first four verses. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The loving kindness of God endures all day long. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor or worker of deceit. You love evil more than good, falsehood more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. God, But God will break you down forever. Pretty uh, forceful song to be sung to the unbeliever. Um, Psalm, let me just read you this one. Psalm uh, 4, verses 2 through 4. O you sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart him who is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Again, it's directed... To the sons of men. Uh, here's one that uh, sounds like, to me, like God's telling us to use music to evangelize the world. Um, this would be Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people. Say among the nations that the Lord reigns. But again, that was a psalm. It was sung. And um, even songs sung in worship to the Lord can be used evangelistically. Let's look at Psalm 40. Verse 3, And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. So even in the midst of God's people worshiping God, God can use that in an evangelistic manner. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Um, Dwight Moody, 
who was a great evangelist uh, a hundred years ago or a little more, said music and the Bible are the two most important agencies with which to reach the world. And I've made as much of singing as I have of preaching. Well, I think that's that may be a little bit of an overemphasis, but nevertheless, he's, he, uh, what he's saying here is that God uses music, and he did in those evangelistic campaigns of, of, uh, of Moody. He had a song leader that he took around with him everywhere, and we still sing some of the songs that uh, he either wrote or made famous. Uh, one other example here, and I'll close with this. You have uh, William Booth and the Salvation Army. Now, the Salvation Army today is not what the Salvation Army was uh, when it started. And I just wanted to read you a little section here. <clears throat> William Booth, 1829 to 1912, had a burden to reach the common people of England who were not churched. He resigned his position as a Methodist minister and began to work among the poor in London. His work eventually became known as the Salvation Army. Unique to Booth's music was his use of a wide, a wide variety of instruments. He was uh, very big on using music to reach the lost, and he used a wide variety of instruments, violins, viola, brass instruments, drums, anything that would make a pleasant sound before the Lord. Salvationists brought their instruments together and formed what they called hallelujah bands. Most of the people he wanted to reach, the unchurched, didn't know the church tunes popular at that day. So he took tunes from the local music halls. He used secular tunes and added Christian words. Booth wanted songs that were simple and in the language of the people, songs that would stick in their minds, in the minds of the people when they left his meetings. And he saw thousands saved who had never stepped foot into a traditional church. Uh, not all saw these innovations as positive. Many of the uh, Victorian clergymen, the press, and the local officials saw this type of music as offensive and distasteful. Uh, it didn't really bother him. He just kept right on doing it. Uh, Booth made this, made this charge to his soldiers in the band. Music has a divine effect upon divinely influenced and directed souls. I think it's it's significant the way he said that music has a divine effect upon the on upon divinely influenced and directed souls. In other words, if God's working there, God can really use music. In fact, he he says it this way: music is to the soul what wind is to a ship, blowing her onwards in the direction in which she is steered. And then he uh, says this. Uh, concerning some of the criticism of some of the music he was using. Not allowed to sing that tune or this tune? Indeed. Secular music, do you say? Belongs to the devil, does it? Well, if it does, I will plunder it from him, for he has no right to a single note of it. He's a thief. Every note and every strain and every harmony is divine and belongs to us. So now and for all time, consecrate your voices and your instruments. Bring out your harps and organs and flutes and violins and pianos and drums and everything else that can make melody. Offer them to God and use them to make all hearts about you 
Mary before the Lord. So uh, the relationship here then, what we're talking about, is just using music in terms of reaching people. Um, we, it's been done throughout church history, and there are uh, scriptural, uh, scriptural reasons for doing that. And again, you can go off track in, in this area, but I think that uh, it, it is worth considering that God will use music in that way. Well, those are, let's see, how many words are that? Nine, I think. Nine, uh, yeah, nine ways that uh, music can be used scripturally and all really all of these if you think about it they all are for the glory of God different aspects of glorifying God musically well next time we'll, we'll probably look at some more of those and then uh, I think maybe I'll try to give some examples of the ungodly use of music Well, wouldn't be right not to sing after I've uh, presented all this. So, let's have... Still here tonight, Wes? Okay. Uh, John, you want to come up? Someone have a song. Two twenty four in the praise book.